everyone is vying for, in, in some sense, the same product to be uh, resold to the customer. Doing that well, uh, doing it better than maybe the, you did before or the next guy in, in the line of your competitors uh, is vital to the operation. And I think the, the people that will win the day are those that can speed up that delivery of product uh, and get it to the person when they want it uh, exactly what they want. Well, hello there. This is Milena, and welcome to another episode of Retail Mavericks Podcast. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Hyvery. Hyvery is the pioneer of hyperlocal retailing. By combining artificial intelligence, operations research, and human-centered design models, Hyvery's suite of products helps CPGs and retailers generate a return on physical retail space investment. And today, it is my great pleasure to introduce Tim Rowland, the CEO of Badger Technologies, a wholly owned product division of Jabil Corporation, a $26 billion global company delivering technology, manufacturing and supply chain solutions. So without any further ado, we'll dive right in and kick this episode off with Tim discussing the current challenges the retail industry is facing. I think about all the industries and I wonder if maybe retail has been impacted the most, honestly. It seems to have you know, survived uh, or at least or has encountered uh, so many social behavior changes, social media, now the pandemic, uh, trying to provide product to our kind of changing landscape of customers. Uh, it's been some trying years and I think uh, retail is very much still in the middle of that transition. Some seem to be just kind of hanging on, trying to survive while they see their peers uh, going out of business, uh, trying to set a strategy that enables them to to go forward. But in some regard, I think uh, retail has suffered from uh, kind of uh, lagging a bit and are now finding themselves really challenged, again, to react to the customer demands, uh, online shopping, their supply chain is being challenged uh, with omni-channel and Really, it comes down to getting the right product on the you know, right shelf at the right place at the right price, and that's becoming increasingly difficult for them. Exactly. And as you have said, with retailers' biggest challenge being getting the right product on the right shelf at the right price, what are some of the ways that retailers can address this challenge and deliver on customers' wants, needs, and expectations? And Perhaps how does Badger fit in all this? You know, for us, we're, we're looking through the lens of trying to provide really visibility into these uh, store locations. I think at, at the outset of Badger, we were, we were really struck with the notion of uh, oftentimes the retailer is at headquarters and trying to understand what's going on in hundreds of locations or maybe even thousands that are spread across a large geography. It's very difficult to get an accurate picture. And you know what we hope to do is really provide what is the customer seeing? We think about data predicting, we think about trending, we look at behavior patterns, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really close the loop on what did my customer see at that minute at that store uh, looking at that particular location or on the shelf. And what we're wanting to do is to leverage technologies to actually see what's going on. And 
I look at the industry and, you know, certainly we're focused on mobile cameras that are housed by robots, but others are looking at fixed cameras. We're looking at big data feeds. Uh, some are equipping their associates with mobile devices. All of that is trying to address, is my product on the shelf at the quantity I need and priced correctly and displayed correctly? With all the data collected, are there any insights that you want to share with our audience that we might find surprising? I think we would all kind of affirm that out of stock or conversely on shelf availability uh, has been a just a latent problem that's existed for years and years. And we've kind of hit a, a wall with somewhere between eight and 10% of my products are just not on the shelf. And I don't think that would surprise anyone. But what we are finding a bit surprising is Oftentimes, there's an additional amount of products that are on display, but they're in the wrong location. And uh, it's kind of a a trend in especially like the grocery industry where we don't want to see a gap on the shelf. So the suppliers or possibly the associates may spread the product out. And I go to look for my particular flavor of pasta or, you know, my brand of Jello or something like that. Well, it's actually displayed incorrectly and it's not available. So it's it's a little bit of the hidden out of stock, in my opinion, is actually the wrong product is, is being shown. And at the end of the day, if I don't find my product as a customer, I'm, I'm, I'm faced with some potentially uh, disheartening things and may change my uh, location for shopping. So that's probably one that is striking to us is we've affirmed that the out of stock rate is that high. And then there's an additional out of stock where product is not displayed correctly. The other one that's very interesting is pricing. Oftentimes, promotions are either delayed in being displayed, so the tag doesn't get hung that calls my attention to a sale price, or possibly it's on the shelf too long, and then that, again, produces a customer sat issue of, you know, I'm expecting a a lower price, and uh, I'm disappointed when I get to the register. And these are just examples of what feels like very detailed informational collection that's just difficult for humans to find. But the advantage of a robot equipped with machine learning and computer vision can detect just these really minute uh, nuances that, at the end of the day, cause dissatisfaction with the customers. Absolutely. And then retailers face the challenge of retaining their customers. Otherwise, they might lose the entire shopping basket. And if we go back to the value new technologies add, can you summarize how robots and other solutions can help address the challenges retailers are currently facing and will continue to face most likely for years and years to come? Yes, great question. So I think about uh, two areas we're focused on. One is the shelf conditions, as we've spoken about. Uh, The other version of this is actually assisting in keeping a clean store. And you can kind of imagine redirecting the cameras to look for trip and slip hazards. So if I think about the value that such an inspection brings, whether it's the floor or the shelf, as far as the floor, we're seeing great evidence of uh, cleaner stores the absence of uh, hazards that may be uh, troublesome to uh, both the associates and the customers, you know, that's a great thing to portray to your customer base of come visit our store. It's cleaner. It's safer. You know, you don't have to worry about uh, slipping on something that's spilled. And, you know, it's a nice way for this robotic implementation to add value as retailers are really struggling with making sure their clients want to come to their stores as opposed to uh, a different store, potentially online. 
So that's the piece that I'm struck with on floor inspection. On shelf inspection, uh, we think it's easily attainable to uh, cut those out of stock rates in half. Even small percentage changes would be great value when you think of the revenue that flows through a typical retailer. So uh, making slight gains even in uh, reducing out of stocks uh, would be tremendous. Uh, pricing issues, uh, I mentioned promotionals. Uh, oftentimes there's a lot of marketing dollars are spent for making sure my promotionals are uh, executed correctly. And unfortunately, most of the time or often, too often, they're not set up correctly. I may decide I'm going to have a particular uh, display set up in the middle of the aisle. Well, come to find out, it showed up in the store, it was torn down, and the product was put on the shelf. And uh, no one knew that that display was never executed correctly. So the results uh, were meager at best. So we can help detect that and guarantee the marketing dollars are efficiently uh, used. And then there's probably the flip side of pricing of uh, oftentimes there may be fines levied if uh, a retailer is uh, displaying inaccurate prices. So I think we're helping with the, the revenue growth. We're helping with uh, cost containment, uh, with some of the uh, litigation and uh, mitigation of any fines that may happen. And then I think we're automating a lot of uh, very labor-intensive operations that could also help uh, redeploying the labor force and reducing kind of those mundane tasks, uh, the cost of those to the uh, retailer. Can you elaborate further on why autonomous robots is a great solution for retailers? What are some of the advantages of deploying them and making them an integral part of day-to-day -day store operations? It's uh, interesting in our uh, evolution, we uh, looked at many alternatives. Fundamentally, what we were, our desire, at least the main goal, was to have uh, cameras being presented with what the customer is seeing. And we looked at ways of doing that, everything from drones to uh, cameras on the, the shopping carts to robots to fixed cameras, security cameras. I tried to look at every option to determine what met the most objectives, or at least the, the most criteria that we had set in place. And for now, I believe the best answer is this autonomous robot. The advantage uh, is it doesn't require uh, an infrastructure change. Uh, fundamentally, it's a, a charging dock very similar to somebody's iRobot charging station in their home uh, that plugs into a normal outlet and the robot charges for three or four hours and then runs and does its job but there's no other requirement in the store of markers or cameras or uh, anything that would uh, be required to be upgraded in each location. So it brought the advantage of low infrastructure and then it is seeing exactly as a customer would see. And I keep repeating that, I believe it's so important. But what that demands is you've got to have a uh, autonomous robot that behaves really well. We didn't know at the beginning, would we be in uh, dark stores or would we be with uh, clients all around? and we found ourselves in the middle of rush hour with many, many uh, customers uh, circumventing uh, with and around our robots. So it demanded the navigation be extremely polite and safe and the behavior is accurate and what we expected to happen. So the starting point is making sure that uh, navigation is really uh, the best it can be. And now it's everything we would imagine with cameras and image technology and image recognition and the machine learning and analytics go behind that. It's probably worth diving in a bit, but clearly the technology 
uh, has kind of converged to allow that to be uh, very uh, approachable from a cost standpoint for us. When you refer to robots doing the jobs, what kind of jobs can they perform and what is the typical response that you can see from the customers interacting within the same space as robots? You know, we've often uh, talked about what we call the, the mundane or the tedious. And I know in your uh, previous podcast, Dr. Walsh talked about the four Ds. And uh, clearly we're focused on the, the difficult and the dull. And what we're finding is, you know, when we want to scan 30 or 40,000 different products, uh, and we do that in, in really about three hours, it's very difficult for a human to, to pay enough attention to even be, you know, 50% accurate in doing that task. Uh, these robots, they really don't care. They kind of run, do their thing, and the recognition rates are extremely high, and there's no uh, lack of attention. So we're taking that very tedious job of, you know, examining products and how they're displayed and priced, or examining floors to make sure they're clean, and, and automating that and making it very repeatable and very consistent. So it becomes really a what we like to call a co-worker or a co-bot. Uh, that is actually doing the, the tedious part of the job and then enables the associates to do the replenishment or do the cleanup on the floor or the, you know, attend more to their customer and kind of provide added uh, benefit of customer service that they're not able to do if their labor is distracted with these mundane jobs. And how many cobots does it require in order to drive value to a single store? Right now, we're, uh, we're spanning uh, what I would call medium-sized stores up to very large stores. And I think of, uh, you know, large format stores, a local store here, we have Woodman's that we're deployed in or a Walmart-sized store. Uh, that's a single robot doing this job, which is pretty amazing, but it's kind of back to the old uh, story of the turtle and the hare. The turtle just keeps doing its job and, you know, after hours and hours, it's collected everything. Uh, so it's a, it's a very steady, uh, repeated kind of task. Uh, I do anticipate there'll be other robots doing other tasks in some of these stores, whether they're scrubbing the floors or uh, bringing product out from the back room. So the world in the future is going to see certainly multiple versions of robots, but uh, the tasks that I'm describing can clearly be handled by a single unit. I'm glad you brought up one of our previous podcasts with Dr. Walsh, where we talk about the robotization and AI in 4Ds and what we can expect with the onset of new technologies and more widespread use of it. There is still a bit of stigma within the society and most people don't actually understand what those technologies do. And hence, a popular opinion emerges of robots taking over the world. Can you help us understand how robots actually work and why we shouldn't be worried about them? Honestly, I've been overwhelmingly surprised at uh, the social reaction in a very positive way. You know, something about a robot and if you put a name tag on it or dress it up in a certain way that some do during the holidays instantly the kids are attracted. There's no resistance from that generation as far as, you know, some interesting, cool thing running up and down the aisles. So we've had kids hug it, try to ride it. They feed it Doritos and yogurt and, you know, all the fun stories about children reaction. The next generation kind of higher is uh, kind of expecting it. it. It's very much a, 
well, yeah, of course, that, you know, you're going to automate some of these mundane tasks. You know, some of the pushback has been probably the, the older generation that would be concerned about taking over jobs from maybe their grandchildren or something like that. But when you have a discussion or, you know, you start to, to broach the topic, you find that nobody is doing these tasks. They're not taking away jobs. They're actually allowing a retailer to get to things they've not been able to do. And, you know, when people really grasp the labor shortage in the retail market, uh, it becomes more of a, you know, that's really not a concern. Uh, these aren't taking jobs in that sense. So it's been a learning for us, and I think, uh, honestly, a, a positive that it's going to take some time for adoption and change management, but uh, there's been a pretty welcome reception. You know, maybe the biggest area is people worry about, you know, all these cameras. What are these cameras taking pictures of? And, you know, it's very much public information. We're, we're viewing what's on the shelf. If we ever capture a picture with someone's arm or a tattoo or things like that. It's immediately uh, distorted and that information is obscured where it's not used for anything. So it's very much public information. Uh, the adoption, again, I think people start to get comfortable. We find ourselves uh, as we roll these robots out, the first week is it's a novelty. You know, people are surrounding it and touching it and want to interact with it and want to talk to it. After a few days, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the robot. And then within a week or so, you know, people don't even hardly notice and it fades into the background. So very interesting that the change dynamic we see. What type of data do robots collect? The reason I'm asking this question is to dissipate another common concern people have raised in the light of recent events, and that is the potential misuse of personal data being collected. To me, the short answer is I, I really don't see a, a, a need for worry from that. You know, the data that we're collecting is, is pricing information that's displayed, the product is displayed, the image is displayed. Uh, there's nothing else really that we're collecting. Again, this is data that would have been collected by a, an associate with a scan gun. Uh, we're doing the same thing just in a much faster and more repeatable methodology. So. Uh, again, I don't want to trivialize it, but uh, really there's nothing in our data that uh, would feel sensitive, uh, again, except for, you know, occasionally we might capture someone's image and, and that's obscured immediately. You know, 90% of all data has been produced in just the last two years. So how can we best leverage that data? <laughs> somewhat the last thing a retailer needs is, is so much data that they're unable to take action. So the expectation on suppliers, technology providers like ourselves uh, is really to, uh, you know, distill that information to something that is usable, uh, first of all, and then allows them to potentially make operational changes. So there's, there's clearly the notion of reporting the information and taking action, getting the product back on the shelf, for example, or correcting the incorrect price. Uh, but then there's trending information that is extremely valuable. And again, I believe the, the offering that uh, we are introducing is this is probably the first time we've been able to close the loop uh, between what we expect and what's actually happening in, in each of these store locations and each shelf, whatever time we want to examine. So it's, it's incumbent on us to really uh, distill that information down to something practical that can be uh, a useful variable as they make business operational decisions. Because at the end of the day, we're really trying to optimize the supply chain, optimize the operation in a store. And, and now I think we've finally got more actionable data than has maybe been uh, lost in 
so much information being provided previously. And although a pretty obvious question, but why is it important to optimize the supply chain and operations in general? You know, oftentimes we like to think that uh, online shopping comes from a different source of products. Well, honestly, it's all coming from the same manufacturer, same warehouse. Uh, everyone is vying for, in, in some sense, the same product to be uh, resold to the customer. Doing that well, uh, doing it better than maybe the, you did before or the next guy in, in the line of your competitors uh, is vital to the operation. And I think the the people that will win the day are those that can speed up that delivery of product uh, and get it to the person when they want it, uh, exactly what they want. Uh, very much the success of some of the online uh, enablers that we've had to date. Autonomous robots perform different functions from navigating the stores to capturing images, etc. Can you break down the technologies that actually enable autonomous robots to perform such functions? You know, the navigation piece, the sensors that are part of that, clearly uh, LiDAR technology that uh, has really been, uh, uh, what would you say, enabled or brought to our market with uh, self-driving cars and self-parking cars. That technology is now well within reach of being able to commercialize these robots. So uh, being very good at navigation was certainly enabled by that technology uh, has been critical. And then the sensors and the, and the cameras that detect presence of something coming into the environment or there's some obstacle I need to avoid. That's the certainly the piece that's uh, enabled our, our navigation ability. If I think about capturing images, uh, you know, most of us are uh, very dependent on uh, neural nets and machine learning, the artificial intelligence that can interpret that and, uh, you know, really strike the balance of accuracy versus time and how data is processed. And then there's a, a lot of very good technology that enables image recognition of, again, being able to detect the various uh, nuances of a product image. Uh, this one is gluten-free and this one is not. Uh, very critical to the shopper. And oftentimes that's a small image uh, distortion that uh, we have to detect. And then there's all the analytic uh, methodology and procedures that allow us to distill this data down into something very usable. And I'm real intrigued by just the, the timing of all that, again, is has gotten to the place of uh, commercialized uh, status, if you will, that allows us to, to really put all of that together to produce a solution like we've been able to do with these autonomous robots. What next application do you think will help take autonomous robots to the next level? It sounds a little odd, but uh, building in more of those kind of human courtesies uh, and making sure our robot, uh, you know, defers to the right or the left, <laughs> depending on which geography it exists in, uh, what's the personal space it allows uh, as it encounters uh, humans, uh, just being uh, better and better and in some sense being, uh, you know, really less obtrusive is really our goal and to really look like a, a seamless add to the environment. So I think it's, you know, continuing to improve the navigation and the behavior around humans uh, but then I think of uh, probably more uh, direct to your question, other, other sensing that I would like to do, uh, I think of uh, clearly a next step would be, you know, can I read through glass? Certainly in a lot of displays, they're behind glass. They may be lit different. They have uh, condensation problems and things like that. Well, 
we're very close to being able to read directly through glass and pick up uh, products out, you know, in a, in a freezer or refrigerator section. Uh, and then I go a little further and think, what other sensing uh, could this robot be equipped with? Uh, certainly gas sensors or checking the climate. Uh, I'm intrigued by, uh, you know, one of the senses I certainly use in a grocery store uh, is my smell. You know, is this, is this fruit emitting a good odor or an odor I'm not so attracted to? Well, sensors can do that as well. And I would love to solve, honestly, uh, this notion of fresh and can I help uh, retailers, especially the grocers, uh, minimize their waste? Uh, I just believe there is an extremely large number of product that is being destroyed because it uh, becomes old or out of date or stale. Uh, I'd love to help solve that problem and, and, and just minimize the, the waste that we're encountering as a, as a culture right now. Uh, so I've got a somewhat of an autonomous robot base, and it's just uh, kind of open to what else could it sense? And with the advent of all the IoT sensors and other capability, uh, I just believe it's a, it's a technology ready to be enhanced even further. Building on what you just said, Hyvery Curate doesn't put a product on the shelf if the system knows it will expire before someone will buy it. And that goes back to optimization, managing the resources and shelf space, appropriately and more optimally to deliver the customers what they want, where they want it, and at the right price. Leverage the power of prescriptive analytics, enter Hybrid Curate, a revolutionary approach to category optimization. Hybrid Curate optimizes store-level assortment and space simultaneously at an individual store level, it analyzes the historical data from your stores and creates planograms that maximize profits, increase sales, and align with your business objectives. To learn more, navigate to hybrid.com products curate to watch a short explanatory video on how Hybrid Curate works or request a demo and see for yourself the power of artificial intelligence. Let's take a step back and talk about Badger Technologies. Can you share your approach and philosophy to what you do? Oh, great. I love the question. I'd probably summarize really uh, probably three different areas that drive uh, our team, our organization. It's vital that uh, we're solving the real problem. We've got to stay extremely close to our customers, solving a real problem that can impact their business and improve their operation. The second, clearly we're in a space of evolving technology kind of on the edge and the cusp. Uh, we've got to be agile. So uh, our entire operation, we've got to learn fast. We've got to fail fast, tack the, the problem and adjust uh, and go at it again. And in a real sense, you know, the, the laboratory that we test in is, is really the real, real world. There's no way to model the chaos uh, that is out there in retail. So it is get out there and, and be agile and flexible to adapt to that. And then the final piece is, is clearly focused on the team. I believe our best use of ourselves, if you will, or the best stewardship is, is to really build on the passion of the team. Make sure our team members are doing what they love to do uh, with people they respect and, uh, you know, in an environment that just breeds that creativity. So if we're doing those three things right, uh, I believe we'll be exactly uh, on point for uh, accomplishing our mission. 
Tim, we have talked about the technologies enabling your autonomous robots and the functions they perform, but we haven't mentioned where we can find them. In what geographies and in which stores can we come across one of your robots? Three areas at this point that I can speak of freely, and uh, up in the, the northeast of uh, the United States in two brands within the Ahold family, those being the Giant Company and Stop and Shop, and they have deployed uh, really over 500 robots up in that area. Uh, the other is a, a bit in the, in the central U.S., uh, an organization called Woodman's with very large uh, grocery stores uh, deployed there. And then uh, on the other side of the world in Australia and New Zealand. And uh, we have many, many other tests that, uh, are, that I can't speak of yet with other retailers that uh, hopefully I can announce in subsequent meetings. One last question. Certainly, I have asked you a lot of questions, but I'm sure there is something that you wish people would have asked you more often. What is that question? Oh, interesting. I guess the question I would love to have the customers ask is, you know, intuitively, we know there is value here. You know, would you come into our environment and help us optimize? And I say that because there's just such an opportunity to expand on the platform that we've built. Uh, one of our customers uh, really bought uh, the solution, if you will, based on a few criteria, but I'm overwhelmed at the number of projects that have been spawned once they see what can be done. So, you know, an organization that's willing to test and try and, you know, be agile themselves, uh, that's the kind of partnership that I would just relish to have uh, more folks ask, asking us to come be a partner. Thank you for listening until the end of this podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Stay Tuned and leave us a comment letting us know what section of this podcast was your favorite. And till the next time, everyone.